Friday. Today is February the 23rd, and you're listening to My Farm. With the unseasonably warm weather we have had on and off this spring, and especially relative to other years, it's making things interesting when calculating growing degree day units. We're going to talk about the importance of these heating units, the measurements, and the impacts that they have on plants and insects. We'll be back with that and more after this message from our sponsor. Sponsored by Seed Consultants, simply the best value in the seed industry. Learn more at seedconsultants.com. We're going to take some time this Friday morning and talk about the relatively warmer weather that we have had this winter relative compared to other winters. While it has had its share of cold snaps below zero, uh, we've also had several days where we've actually been above 50. And uh, one thing that got my attention, and I saw it was a post in the Buckeye Yard and Garden line, dealt with brown marmorated stink bugs that are starting to emerge in homes and businesses. Basically, these were insects that maybe invaded your home last fall and have been spending the winter in the uh, walls or voids or attics. But as things begin to warm up or you have those warmer snaps of temperatures, the brown marmorated stink bugs will begin to emerge some coming in the house some may be moving outdoors and I actually had uh, one here in the studio the other morning as I was getting around I heard something flopping around and sure enough that is what it was now it's interesting because a lot of this ties back to what we call growing degree days and uh, what growing degree days are is they're a measurement of growth and development of plants and insects during the growing season now the development does not occur typically at this time unless the temperature is above a minimum threshold a base temperature, usually we say that's around 50 degrees, that base temperature will vary for different organisms, and it's determined through research and experimentation. So the actual temperature experienced by an organism is influenced by a lot of different factors. Uh, those affect the growth and development. So for instance, depending on the weather, an organism's temperature may be a few degrees more or less than what we're recording on a thermometer outside. That organism may spend its time in the shade or under the direct sunlight, and things for plants like fertility and nutrient content of the soil would directly affect the growth rate of plants and therefore indirectly influence insect growth rates. The presence of weeds and precipitation may also indirectly influence development. So because of all those factors, there's a different number of scientific considerations. But again, we talk about a base temperature typically of 50 degrees Fahrenheit considered acceptable for all plants and insects to start accumulating these heat units. So each month of the calendar year, uh, there is a growing degree uh, sort of summary, if you will, and it's interesting, typically this time of year, that's sort of at zero. And across the state is, is typically zero. But with some of the warmer weather we had going through January and uh, here in February, where we did get above 50 degrees, there are some sites around the state that have been accumulating growing degree units. Now, a couple of those up along Lake Erie, uh, where they've maybe only a accumulated one heat unit, uh, but other places as we get further along the southern part of the state, uh, places like Cincinnati have accumulated as many as 10 growing degree units. Uh, Marietta down in Washington County has 13. So it's interesting that these are adding up, and it will be real interesting to see as we get uh, a little bit closer in the spring. I know some folks had mentioned under the mulch if they had some shallow planted bulbs, those had started to poke through the mulch and things on some of those warmer days. So interesting what this may mean for insect and plant development going into the spring. We'll be sure to track it and keep you posted. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after this message from our sponsor. 
Williamson Crop Insurance, home of Decision Max. Decision Max allows you a simple solution to analyze your operation and make informed marketing and crop insurance decisions to mitigate your risks. Manage your whole operation in one place with the ability to blend counties, marketing, and insurance coverage to give a complete overview of your operation. Williamson Crop Insurance, protecting the Eastern Corn Belt since 1980. Learn more at cropcoverage.com. Thanks, Joe. We're going to continue now talking about insects and sort of an interesting one that I guess you could say was discovered. We're talking about the olive bark beetle. Now, the way this pest was discovered is a resident of Ohio was visiting Israel and picked up a uh, a wood carving, if you will, sort of a souvenir type figurine, brought it back. And then after some time, they noticed little piles of like sawdust, if you will, or wood frass that's coming out as if insects were boring into it. So they contacted the plant pest diagnostic lab and uh, they followed the instructions to double bag it and send it in. It was actually kept in a freezer then below 20 degrees Celsius uh, for three weeks to kill any insects that might be there before they extracted them for identification. After that they went through in the lab under the secure protocol peeled back any bark with a flat screwdriver and actually extracted 13 dead olive bark beetles as well as a few larvae. These insects were identified uh, through a national laboratory. It is interesting because uh, these hadn't been found in Ohio and technically weren't here naturally. It was through transport through this particular souvenir, if you will. Now, olive bark beetle is widely distributed in southern Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East and has unique characteristics among weevils. Adults are very small with brown, dark, black bodies, uh, densely covered with yellowish hairs. Now, as far as living species that it would feed on, they've been uh, feeding commonly on Olander as well as European ash and and common lilac throughout the Mediterranean region. Some authors indicate the beetle also feeds on mastic in different places that has been found. Uh, the iNaturalist recorded a mastic in California, Arizona, and Texas had been uh, fed upon, but it was never technically, I guess, verified by the USDA or any officials in that way. Now, although there are no records of olive bark beetle feeding on these host plants in the U.S., lilac is widespread through Ohio. So if olive bark beetle arrives in the state and escapes, there is a chance they may establish themselves using lilacs as a host in the absence of what they prefer, which would be the European olive. Now, olive is native to the Mediterranean region, but grown in several areas of California. All the olive species currently grown in California were brought here from either Spain or Italy by missionaries in the 17th and 18th century. Now, adult females born into the trunk of a host tree excavate traversing galleries where they'll lay about 50 to 60 eggs. The emerging larvae make tunnels perpendicular to the main tunnel up and down the sapwood, and then they enlarge those as they grow. This causes partial to complete girdling of a twig or branch or structurally weakening the tree. The first reports of olive bark beetle in North America were in Riverside, California, back in October of 2016. This was the first one recorded actually in the Western Hemisphere. The California Department of Food and Agriculture finalized the report in 2017, indicating that those olive bark beetles were expected to have a significant impact on California's olive injury. However, according to the 2017 report, there is no control program for the olive of bark beetle in the state, including no approved treatments and planned surveys had no plans to an interior quarantine. 
Now, since then, we do not know what the pest status has as far as that beetle in the United States. So just interesting to see uh, how these things can make their way when we talk about invasive species and insects. Uh, luckily, we had some due diligence in the part of this particular Ohio resident that saw there might be something and handled it appropriately. That's what's making agricultural news on my farm. For my 102.7 WMYW, I'm Dusty Sonnenberg. You have a great weekend.